0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay High? I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. I bring on experts and everyday parents on this show, and my hope is that it provides you with some community and outlet, and I hope that it's a resource for you as well. Parenting is really hard, and I don't want to do it alone, so let's do this together. Today, you're listening to episode 43, and this is a really fun episode for me, Because I've interviewed the daughter of the two people that I'm interviewing today. So we're talking with Suzanne and Kim Wade. And their daughter, Becky Wade, was actually on my other podcast, which is a running-based podcast, a couple years ago. She is a professional marathon runner, and she wrote a book called Run the World. She traveled all over the world running with different cultures and experienced that and then wrote all about it. It's such a great book. So quick plug for that. But Becky actually reached out to me because she admires the way her parents brought her and her siblings up so much. And this is the crazy thing. I remember interviewing Becky. And when she told me this, my jaw was to the floor. Her parents had two sets of twins within 20 months of one another. And I believe I was pregnant or I had just had my last baby at the time and I kind of felt like I was drowning in children and so hearing that I thought wow how did they do that so it was kind of cool and it's kind of come full circle to have them on the podcast Suzanne and Kim are both lawyers And empty nesters so they've sent all of their kids off to school and they did that within one year of each other which I feel like would be pretty hard I'm already nervous about when we send our kids off to school and how hard that will be to have them leave even though that is the natural progression of life that is a good thing but in this episode we talk about sports and giving kids the opportunity to try different things setting boundaries developing young readers and encouraging our kids to have jobs when they're teenagers. And what I really admire about Kim and Suzanne is just the passion they have for showing up for their kids regardless of what it is they're showing up for. You know, if you listen to my running podcast called All Have Another, um, this episode kind of reminds me of the episode I did with Tom and Deb Gardner. That was episode 129 on All Have Another Podcast because these are two parents that have done this and they're many stages ahead of where we are right now, where I am right now, at least. And I just love soaking up their wisdom and learning from them. And I hope that you do that as well. I hope that you gain some of those feelings I had as well when you listen to this episode with Suzanne and Kim. Okay, and if you do love this episode, please leave us a quick rating interview on Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you're listening. That is a huge way that potential new listeners can find the show and it really truly is super helpful. One of our most recent reviews is from A. Lewis. I have been enjoying the diversity in topics as well as wisdom shared. Lindsay is easy to listen to and so kind and generous with her guests. I love that. This is a great parenting podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And do know that even though I don't see a ton creeping in every single day, I check these every single day. So it truly makes my day when I see a new rating and review. Um, All right, friends, that's all I got. Let's enjoy my conversation with Suzanne and Kim. All right, well today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Suzanne and Kim Wade on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you, it's nice to be here.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: I'm really excited. This is our first couple interview on this podcast specifically. So it's, it's fun to talk to two people who um, I feel like I'm gonna get a really nurturing conversation from. <laughs> we'll try not to talk over each other, Lindsay. <laughs> well, you know, I, Have asked my mom and dad to do like snippets on this podcast, and they are not about talking in front of an audience. So I'm gonna kind of get a little bit of that out of you guys today, I think. I hope so. Um, So for those listening, I've actually interviewed Suzanne and Kim's daughter, Becky, on my other podcast, All Have Another, which is a running based podcast. Becky is a very fast marathon runner and uh, wrote an awesome book about traveling the world and running while doing it so that's kind of how I connected with Kim and Suzanne and um, I learned when I interviewed Becky that these two had two sets of twins within 20 months of each other so I feel like we should start there we'll go way back was that a surprise That was a big surprise,
2: but a very welcome surprise because I was 33 when I had the first set of twins and then 35 when we had our second set of twins. So we knew, you know, all we knew was twins. So when another set came along, we knew what we were in for. And so for us, it was a wonderful surprise to have another set.
0: Is it girl, boy, girl, boy together? Yes.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I thought.
0: Yeah. I know I always say like, if you have kids a little bit later, Kind of nice to knock out to at once if you want to have a big family, right?
2: It was really nice to do it that way. And we're both from large families. I had six kids in my family and Kim had five. So we're used to all the chaos and the messiness that comes with a big family.
1: I was just going to say there are other advantages also like discounts at the hospital. You only make <laughs> two trips for four kids. And also for school, we get discounts the more kids you have in school sometimes.
0: I was wondering that. I was going to ask, because I know you're both lawyers, did you have four kids in daycare at the same time? We actually had a nanny. Okay. That makes more then, sense, probably.
2: Yes, because it was just, would have been too hard, I think, to try to get get both of us to work and get, and after the second set of twins were born, I, I quit working for 10 years.
0: Oh, you did? Okay.
2: So, I worked after the first set and and through my pregnancy with the second set, and then I quit for ten years, and then I went back part time, and I we still both work.
0: Okay, so tell me about that because I always wonder what that transition is like when someone decides to stay home temporarily, you know, get their kids to that phase where they're, you know, people are at least back in school and and all that. Um, what was that like transitioning back into the workforce?
2: You know, I think because I was doing it. Part-time and I was work. My kids were by that time. were in middle school. I think and So I would be working while they were in school So that was good because in middle school I felt like I I wanted to be home when they got home from school Mm -hmm. every day or be available to pick them up from practices or whatever So I think it was a good transition because I wasn't doing it full-time. It would have been a lot harder I think so I was very fortunate that I was able to to be with the kids when they were
0: at home. I know that because that's such a hard thing. It's like when you really think about it, the school day, it's like nine to three, give or take. So, the, you know, by the time you get everybody off, like three is not that late in the day.
2: Mm-hmm. Lots to do when I got home, you know, yes. all the dinner prep and the homework and all of that. It was all squished into a very short period of time.
0: Um, Becky told me to ask you what's the um, what's the record for Wade family activities in one day
1: I can answer that we had four kids and they were boy girl boy girl so they could never be on the same athletic teams so we had four uh, you know t-ball teams and four soccer teams and sometimes soccer would overlap with baseball or basketball and so we had to keep it on an electronic calendar to keep track of everything we had piano and ballet going on at the same time and there was one Saturday when we had 17 events
0: 17
1: and and we one of us made it to each one even if it was just for a short period of time so that was that was our record
0: did you have grandparents nearby to help We did
2: not. My parents Mm -hmm. lived in upstate New York, we're in Dallas, and Kim's mom died a few weeks before the first set of twins were born. His dad was here. But no, we didn't really have that kind of, we had paid help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And luckily (laughs) my sister was here and her husband, and they would come over sometimes at night, and sometimes on the weekend and help us out. So we did have that, but not on a regular basis that did we have any help. Mm -hmm. But you know, our attitude was always, To let the kids try as many things as they wanted and to see what if there was something they would develop a passion for and we were very lucky because you know they did all of the sports and as kim said some tap ballet piano and some of those things stuck for many years so we were really fortunate that they were all able to find things that they loved
0: You know, I'm trying to strike this balance of, like, not over-scheduling my kids, but, like, I want them to try different things to find what they like rather than me throwing them into things I think they'll like. Do you have any advice on how to manage that?
1: We did have one requirement, and that is we wanted each child involved in at least one extracurricular activity all the time. Okay. Okay. Sometimes they'd have one going on, sometimes they'd have two or three. Uh, but that way they got to change and mm-hmm. uh, if their friends were going one direction, they could go with them for a while. But we also saw a lot of um, specialization at early early ages. Yes. And we didn't do any of the uh, what was the soccer the
0: Oh like travel soccer.
1: Right. The the more serious level of of sports, basketball and and, uh, soccer, I guess, are the two that come to mind. So anyway, that was uh, I'm real happy that we did that, that we didn't let them specialize at such an early age.
2: And we didn't hire any coaches. You know, we obviously saw that, you know, Becky had some talent with running. But, you know, we decided to let her high school, her middle school and high school coaches handle that. So we didn't hire any specialists special coaches or do anything like that. We just let let it flow naturally however it was going to flow. And if they wanted to continue in that sport uh, or wanted to uh, try something new, that was fine with us. We just kind of let it happen however it was going to happen.
0: You know, yeah, I was just talking to someone who has a family member whose kid like has an arm injury because they specialize in a specific sport. And it's like he's 9 or 10, and it's just like, well, I think if we gave our kids a more holistic approach at doing all the sports, like our bodies just weren't made to focus on one thing over and over again at such a young age.
1: That's right. And and we learned specifically with with running, because Becky was a long-distance runner when she got – she. Had, never uh did a lot of miles even through high school and i think it really paid off for her in college that she was a low mileage Mm -hmm. long distance runner she still had a, a a lot of growth and even on to the level where she's running now
0: okay so let's talk about um you know in the way that you chose to parent your kids becky becky says at the time she thought you guys were very strict But now, (laughs) did you know that? We've heard that a few times, Lindsay. (laughs) But she also says, looking back, like, she's like, oh, I'm so glad. And there's so many things from the way they did things that I want to do when I have kids. And so I wonder, and as I, you know, as my kids get older, different things I do as a parent I think back, did my parents do it this way? And, you know, we think back to what my husband's parents do. So I'm curious, as you kind of built your own family and own identity in your family, what kinds of things did you pull from your growing up with your parents? And then how do you decide, this is what I struggle with sometimes, like maybe that wasn't the best way to do it and we're going to do it our way, you know?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I think one of the things that I
2: pulled from my mom in particular was the love of reading. And I noticed my mom would be reading amidst the chaos, six, <laughs> running around crazy, and she'd be in her chair reading her book. And I saw that, and I think all six of us grew up to be big readers, and I wanted, really wanted to instill that in my kids. And I thought the best way to do that is not just reading to them and encouraging their reading and take them to the library, but them seeing us read. And Kim's a big reader, too. So I think I learned that from just watching my mom. Um, and Kim, I'm sure you have many other.
1: Well, I guess what uh, sticks with me the most is my father had a small farm out. We live in, I grew up in Dallas, but outside in the country. And that uh, probably shaped my life more than any other uh, environment I was in, including athletics. Just being exposed to nature and cattle and dogs and chickens and. Uh, just, you know, wildlife, we uh, actually hunted a lot also, but I, th- I think that I I loved being outside, outdoor at natures, and I, we used to take our kids on camping trips and road trips to the mountains, and um, we were in YMCA programs where you went camping. And I think uh, all of our kids have developed a, a love of nature, which... Is important to me because it kind of connects me with all of existence so to speak so um, that was what uh, I've tried to expose my kids to and I think that they all picked it up
0: I love that it exposes you to all of existence it's like how do you communicate that to your kids I I think about that sometimes when we're out in the woods or doing something like you just want them to feel what you're feeling. And as kids, they just kind of simplistically feel it. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying there is like you're you're connected to everything. And I mean, I think ex- just exposing them is, is how you do it.
1: I think you're right.
0: Yeah. You just want them to see the big picture too. Right. Our friends just took a huge trip. They flew out to L.A. and then they, they drove up the coast to Seattle and they did tons of hiking with their two kids their kids are eight and ten now so I feel like that's really good ages to get out and about but I kept Mm -hmm. thinking I feel like my kids would complain a lot unless we had uh, friends with them to run around I think if they had friends with them they would be distracted because they'd be having fun with their friends but if it was just the brothers they would complain what what um What happens in those situations when kids are like whining and you're like, you're in the most beautiful place ever. You should appreciate this.
2: We had plenty of whining. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of fighting. There was a plenty of whining going on. You know, we were fortunate though, that the kids were so close in age. So they had a lot of the same interests and the boys could pair off and go do Mm -hmm. something if they wanted to. And the girls could. So it was like they had a friend almost um, a friend that they fought with. Yes, <laughs> um, but you know we, you know that's just part of it. I think that's part of having siblings is that you know they're going to whine and they're going to fight sometimes, and you know you just endure it as, as best you can.
0: That fighting, that's what about sends me over the edge.
1: Mm-hmm. It's hard. We with the four children, like you have four, we wound up with a suburban with three seats. And we would put two in the middle seat with a space between them. So they couldn't reach each other. Couldn't touch. That's right. And in the back seat too. So that no one could actually hit each other or, or, uh, give them too much trouble.
2: I, I remember Lindsay, before the kids were born, we took a parenting class and there was people, kids of all ages in the class and had older kids, for instance. And I remember one of the moms talked about yelling at her kids. And her kids were older kids, you know, older toddlers or young six and sevens. And I thought at the time, oh, how could she yell at her children? <laughs> Just, they're so cute. And so and then I had kids. <laughs> and realistically, you know, it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of patience. I mean, it's, it's, it has a lot of rewards, but it also takes a lot of patience.
0: I mean, it's the name of the podcast. Why is everyone yelling? And (laughs) (laughs) I say that constantly to my kids only to know that I'm the one also yelling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just interviewed someone uh, two days ago about raising boys specifically. And and he was saying how like our nature is to want to just talk louder and and like out loud, loud them Mm -hmm. almost But like, Mm -hmm. especially for little boys, like that just doesn't work. So I'm trying so hard to bring that down because the yelling and that's one of the reasons I named this podcast that it doesn't help me. It doesn't help them. But you know what? Sometimes you just lose it. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Um, One of the things I wanted to talk about with you guys, though, is uh, jobs and chores and and getting our kids to work, which I think knowing that your kids were in so many activities, yet you still had them take on jobs is is really it's really cool because I do think that people are like, well, my kids can't work because they have all these other things they're doing, you know, Um, and I'm struggling right now at you know, with my kids being so young, just with the simplest things like, hey, it's part of your duty to like take the trash out, you need to walk the trash to the trash can. And, you know, they'll act like I told them they had to walk five miles <laughs> to the trash can instead of 100 feet. So um, I'm curious how you guys took on that as parents when your kids were younger. I think that's
2: every parent struggle. And honestly, I don't think we did it as well as we could have if I were to do it over again. I think I'd Make them do a lot more than they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we expected them to help with, you know, the cleanup of dishes and things like that. But I didn't have my kids necessarily in there making the dinners no. or, you know, going to the grocery store and getting the groceries with me. They didn't see the whole process um, or, or were not involved in the whole process. And I, I think we could have done a better job of that. As they got a little older, though, mm-hmm. And you know, it was money was always going out, and you know, never, had never any contributions in. Um, at 15, we we found the we, we I don't say we the kids found the perfect job for 15 year olds was just being lifeguards. Mm. There was a little community pool that is close to us that has you know a few hundred members, and they would hire lifeguards every summer starting at age 15. So the kids all went to the Y and and took the, you know, the lifeguarding classes and they all started at 15 they all started working at the same pool and then the other two followed this next summer. So all four worked basically the same job, which worked out perfectly because they had all those activities we were talking about. So if they, one was scheduled, they luckily left with, were very flexible, Um, you know, the, uh, the. Another one could take their place. Um, so it was a constantly rotating schedule of, of getting kids, you know, for Kim and I to get the kids to work and back because they weren't driving then. Um, but it was a great job for, for the kids and it gave them a sense of responsibility. And I was so glad that they, you know, had to be strong swimmers to do that and to pass the class. And so that was a, a good start into them having their own money and earning their own money and not expecting us to pay for everything that they wanted to do or, or go or buy.
0: Yeah that's the one of the things it's like where do you draw the line you know everybody has different capabilities as far as income goes like how much they actually can pay for with their kids but like at what point if you can pay for X Y and Z do you say you know what? I think this is something you need to own you know I remember you know little things like I would always have to buy my own gas in in high school when I, you know, drove my car. My parents did buy me an old used car, but like the gas was on me, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, I think that that's also a constant, like what are we going to decide there?
2: Well, I can say that nobody got new cars when they turned 16. We just didn't really want to do that. Didn't think they would appreciate it. They did get the, the the girls ended up sharing a, car, a used car that we bought, and they shared. And the boys ended up sharing for a while. Kim's dad's pickup truck that was it. that was probably I don't at that time how many years old Kim?
1: Twenty probably.
2: Probably twenty years old, and then we had an old suburban that they then uh, ended up driving for years. So they mm-hmm. shared cars, and. I don't know if they paid for gas or not. They probably didn't. I
1: think, I think we provided them gas. Yeah, I
2: think we provided the gas, but mm. but they got old kind of clunker cars, um, which we thought was fine. I'm sure they didn't think so, but we thought <laughs> it was.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't. I can say I I did not care as a high school student. I had an '89 Honda Accord with pop-up lights, and <laughs> that was in 2000 that I got my car. So it was a pretty old car. And I didn't care at all. And I do remember the kids that were getting brand new cars. And I just was like, that's just not our life. Mm-hmm. And it didn't bother me at all. So, yeah, I, I think that with four kids, too, the sharing car situation is just going to be what it's going to be. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not buying four separate cars. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just right. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, no way. And plus, then our driveway will just look like a used car lot. <laughs> <laughs> which
2: ours does now when everybody's home we definitely would have that used car lot look in our house
0: oh for sure my parents my parents for sure did as well okay so talk to me about this transition to empty nester to now kids are grown up and getting married and having babies and um let's start with empty nester for all the parents listening that are like headed that way I mean I'm already nervous for that and my kids are young you know everybody says oh the days are long but the years are short which we know um but I I literally even on the craziest of days where it's so hard I truly already mourn when they're gonna be gone because I know how precious (laughs) it is and how fleeting it is it's it's hard it is you know,
2: for us, we had four kids leave within one year. Everybody was gone. You know, the first year, the first older two left, and the following year, the younger two left. So within a year, all four were gone. Luckily, they all stayed in Texas. The, the three went to UT in Austin, and one, went, Becky, went to Rice. So we were, and Becky was running in college. So we were able to go and see a lot of her meets, and, you know, if they were uh, local or whatever. Um, and we were able to go to Austin. Kim has family there, so we were able to see our kids occasionally. Not that they wanted us there all the time, because they certainly didn't. Um, <laughs> but that helped. It was a hard transition, you know, to go from a hundred to zero very quickly. And I still miss my kids, even uh-huh. now. When it, you know, I still miss having them around. Becky and Will just moved back here from Boulder and are staying with us. And I love having the house full of our kids again. You know, it's it's been that's been a real gift. For us to have you know whenever our children come back with us for a while
1: i have a little different perspective <laughs> i enjoyed the empty nest <laughs> and i love my kids with all my heart but with today's communications uh you know suzanne in particular would stay in touch with our kids and she talked with them when they're walking between classes and Uh, So she kept up on everything that was going on. And we were fortunate because we had three kids at the same school in Austin, which is two hours from where we live. And I have uh, sisters there. And so we would get down and we were, uh, we would see them, you know, every three or four months, I guess. Um, And and of course, Becky uh, was running and we would see her in Houston running and then she would run different places. And we always, uh, we kind of got to, continue watching our kids perform, mm. you know, which was, which was fun. It's always fun to watch your kids perform re- regardless what they're doing. So
0: yeah, that's a really good point.
1: I didn't have as much trouble transitioning.
0: I, th- I feel like it could be a mom thing too. I mean, I, I already see it. Like my husband's, you know, even now, like when you, I look at old pictures already and I get sad and they're still so little, my youngest is three <laughs> and my husband's always like, dude, this is like the best time. Like we're, (laughs) we're pretty much done with diapers. Knock on wood here in like a month or so we will be. And it's like, this is like the best, like they're getting, they're self-sufficient now a little bit. And like, we're in it. And I just really struggle with like being worried about how fast it's going to go. You didn't know this was going to be a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs)
2: and it does go fast but hopefully you get to come out at the other end of that and then you have grandchildren without the angst of being a parent which is great
0: oh yeah you have to tell me about that but first do you notice do your girls keep in contact better than your boys I don't know if better Absolutely, is the right word. Absolutely.
2: A hundred percent. So, I yes. And, you know, and the girls are more tied to their phones where the boys really are not. Uh-huh. They're not phone talkers. The Kim is not either. You know, that's just maybe it's my family, but for sure the girls. And it was great in college because Rachel was at UT with her brothers. So she'd tell me everything that was going on and she'd <laughs> see them and they'd be at the same parties and, and all of that. So I'd get all the information. But once that ended, it's like, okay, who's going to give me information now <laughs> about the boys? Um, so yes, the the girls are definitely more. And, and And to this day, I talk to the girls a lot more on the phone. If you know, if we're not together, I'm certainly talking to them pretty frequently on the phone.
0: See that I have all boys. So that's what makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. one of my boys needs to, you know, be into mom when he's 22 but that's weird you know my husband always says that he's like I didn't want to talk to my mom all the time when I was like in my early 20s yeah yeah
2: Mm -hmm.
0: hey friends a quick break here to thank beam for supporting this episode of the podcast sponsors make this possible so when you support a sponsor of this podcast you're supporting my show and for that I thank you Listen, I take their dream powder every single night, so if you're looking for a little extra help to get to sleep and relax in the evening, their dream powder is where it's at. It's a bedtime blend of sleep-enhancing vitamins, minerals, THC-free, nano-CBD, and more. When it's mixed with warm milk or hot water, it makes for a guilt-free, sleep-inducing, delicious cup of cocoa. Listen, I'm not telling you to feel guilty about some hot cocoa. I'm just saying, this is a healthy take on hot cocoa. Uh, They also have a great hydration line if you are into running, athletics, working out, if you're getting out and sweating on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but I've always been looking for a great hydration line and I've never really found what I love. But when I found Beam, I found what I love. Their recovery blend specifically is my favorite. It is a hydration collagen mix. And it tastes like rejuvenating fresh lemon. Okay, so again, when you support sponsors of this show, you are directly supporting the show. And you can check out Beam. When you go to beamtlc.com, use the code Lindsay15. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y 15. And you'll get 15% off your order. That's beamtlc.com. Use the code Lindsay15, 15, Lindsay15 15, for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation. Okay, so talk to us about being grandparents. Now, what does that look like?
2: You know, it being grandparents, we have two two-year-old grandchildren, different, different kids, and a, a nine-month-old and two on the way. So we're we're ramping it up here pretty quickly um, because you know the kids are at those ages all, yeah. all at the same time now. We're getting married and or have been married and now having kids, and being grandparents is the best. You know we we love that all of our grandchildren are local, so we get to see them often, and we're very very we know we're very fortunate for that because my parents were not here um, when my kids were growing up, um, and and being grandparents is is been a very Rewarding, And, you know, it's it's great to see your children parent. And, you know, it, they do things differently. And we understand that mm. and good for them. You know, we don't expect them to parent the way we did or make our same decisions. And, and it's been fun watching them, frankly, just how they handle things. And honestly, I think they're a lot better at it than we were. You know, I just think the kids are, are good parents and I love that.
0: It's so interesting parenting in this day and age because there's just information everywhere all the time where back in the day I just you just did what you did right and now I feel like there's always like oh you should try this try that which could actually make things a lot more confusing and stressful to be honest
2: right right
0: what's your babysitting strategy I I just find this interesting my my mom now so my parents are a little bit ahead of you guys because our kids are a little bit older um she takes my big kids all the time, anytime, you know, they're an hour away and we're actually about to move 11 hours. So it's not great. That's not great. But my mom is, she doesn't care about taking the big kids. She doesn't do babies though. Like she'll, she'll very for short periods of time, watch your baby, but she's not taking your baby overnight. She's not watching your baby all day. So I'm curious what your thoughts are.
2: I kind of agree with that strategy. Yeah, like we don't have ours old enough, but really, the the kids are young. They're two. Yeah, at the oldest, and so you know they don't spend. We spend a lot of time with them, and we do babysit, and we try to be fair about you know who who uh-huh. has one night. But the kids have been good. They don't over ask. Yeah, um, and they don't expect it, and they're happy if we can, and we try to help them out whenever we can. We spend a lot of time with our grandkids, but not necessarily babysitting we uh-huh. also spending time with the families which yeah. we love
0: I know I'm, I'm always super thankful for my mom because she she'll just tell me like if, I, if she can't do it she'll just be like sorry I can't do it I have, I have X, Y, and Z going on I'm working or I have an appointment um, and I don't feel like guilty asking and I don't feel like pressure like she doesn't see them enough either if it's, it, it feels healthy to be able to just know Oh, if she can't do it she's just going to tell me no you know Mm -hmm.
2: Well, And I think that's one of the things that is important because you're so wrapped up in raising children when the children are at home that it was important that we still have a life together once the children, even when they're still at home, once they're getting their own lives, that we have our friends and the things that we like to do. So that I didn't never want our children to be feel responsible for us or feel responsible for our social life. Mm. That oh, mom and dad are going to be home alone. We, we need to go do something or call them or ask them over. If they do that, it's great. But I always felt like we need to have our friends too. And so we do have conflicts sometimes when they need us, and they get that.
0: You got your own life. Exactly. I love it. Um, have you found as you move through different um, parts of life? Like, I'm about to go move to North Carolina, right? And I know, like, nobody there. Have you found at different ages in life it Mm -hmm. being more difficult to make new friends? And also, here's an example. After I had our fourth baby, I was like, I am good. I don't want more friends. Like, my Mm -hmm. emotional tank is so thinly spread. Like, I don't have the energy to make new friends, and then, as soon as and then COVID happened, so you really couldn't make new friends, right? Uh, um, and that's right when I was like starting to feel like I'm back in action. I'm ready to go, um, and now I'm feeling like that again. But I'm curious, as you've walked through these different seasons yourself, have you found it more difficult during different periods to make new friends?
1: Well, one, we've never moved, so we never had that situation. We've been in this house for almost thirty years, so wow, and we meet. Made- we made most of our uh, friends, or a lot of our friends came through our kids.
0: Yeah, for uh, sure.
1: Parents of our, of our friends. And, and my other friends are uh, either kids I grew up with, guys I grew up with, or worked with. And so I have a, uh, I'm kind of like you were. I've got plenty of friends. You're good. I'm good, and I I like to have my own time also and so i don't uh overcommit with with friends but i don't so i'm in a little different situation than suzanne i'm
0: sure
2: no oh, i agree i agree i think kim still is is having well he's having lunch today with friends he's known since he was in kindergarten
0: oh i love it uh, that's so cool it,
2: <laughs> i i've been in the same book club for over 30 years and you know had dinner last week with friends that i've known since all of our kids were in first and second grade so i think those Friends that you meet when your kids are young and you're going through all of that together, that's a really special friendship that that you share those experiences with. And we still, you know, keep in touch with those friends.
0: I'm going to be latching on to people left and right at, on the soccer field. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And sports does that for
2: you. I have mm-hmm. to say sports is great because when you sit there for eight hours at a track meet, You know, there is nothing to do except during between all of those events than than talking to the people around you. So I think sports were a great way to to for us to make friends Mm -hmm. and to have a social life.
0: Yeah, I um my one of my very best friends that I made here in Indy, I just latched onto her at the um you know at the school pickup. We would talk every day, and then we became really close. And so I know people have said like. With moving, it's like that's that's going to be where you find people is through your kids sports Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I'm super thankful to have that outlet. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, so talk to me about um, giving your kids boundaries throughout over the years. And, you know, you guys were screens and whatnot. Gosh, I, I had a flip phone when I turned 16. I know that. I'm a little bit older than your kids. I'm 37. Mm-hmm. So I mean we're we're gonna be balancing this and it's gonna be so different for us with our kids, right?
2: So different. You so have a different. whole different world than we had. you know, but our I think our biggest challenge that we didn't have laptops till the kids were in high school. So that wasn't really an issue um, for us um, until high school years. Younger years, we had a pretty strict policy about no TV during the week. No, no, none of our kids had TVs in their rooms or anything like that. And we didn't watch TV on weeknights. When we were so busy between sports and other activities and homework and things like that, that the kids, that there just really wasn't a lot of time for it. And I noticed pretty quickly that the boys in particular, if the TV was on, they were laser focused on Uh that TV. There was nothing else in the world going on. You couldn't talk to them. You couldn't react. And, you know, so we just said, you know, weeknights, we're not going to turn the TV on. Um, and you know, they complained some, but you know, after a while, that's just the way it was and they got used to it, I guess. And we didn't hear much about it, but the kids in the time, they did complain. I mean, but they've since come back as adults and said, you know, I'm kind of glad we did it. We had, you know, we had family dinner time. We had homework time reading whatever we were doing. They were, they didn't have screens. So that, you know, wasn't part of the equation, but um, we, we just, it, it was, I think it was a nice, quieter, easier time for us. I think it's a much more challenging now.
0: hundred percent. I yeah. mean, even for us as adults, I'm like, I wish I didn't have the distraction. It's just there though, yeah. the phones, the social media. And it's, it's like they see you on, on your phone and whatnot and they think that that is the norm. That's how my kids are, my big two are with video games, the way you talked about TV. It's like if they're focused in on their video game, you might as well not even be standing in the room. It does not matter. And, and we found when we've done trips and we just are like there's no video games or technology on the trip. Mm-hmm. It's just not it's just off the table. And so it's it, they don't fight about it or complain about it because it's just not available.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I you know, Lindsay, even in high school, I can remember the cross-country girls coming over for dinner. And I noticed pretty quickly that half of them were on the phone at the dinner table. So the next time everybody came, I just asked them, everybody put away. I'm sure they probably maybe didn't appreciate it. But could everybody just put away their phones? for, yeah. for the meal? Because the reason I was doing that was team bonding. And being on phones wasn't accomplishing anything. So, no. So it's a challenge. But, you know, I think um, when we used to travel with the kids, we did a lot of road trips. And we would listen to books on tape. And that was always something, you know, and because the kids were similar ages, yeah. they were interested. We did a lot of Hank the Cow Dog books, which we loved.
0: Oh, okay, I have to look great into great that. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. Well, and now we have podcasts too yeah you know there's podcasts for kids you know my kids the youngest being three the oldest being nine I haven't discovered one that really crosses all those age barriers but I do think we have so many more resources it just takes some effort right like it just takes some effort to do it and it's crazy for me to hear that because what is Becky like 32 Mm -hmm. she just
2: turned 32 Mm -hmm.
0: yeah just like you know six years behind me or however many years it is like that the struggle with the phones at the table with the young girls was already happening because i i didn't live that you know the flip phone when i was 16 or 17 that wasn't the kind of phone that you're going to sit on and like look through all the time we were we just weren't attached to our phones then which i'm so so grateful for and i'm trying to figure out a way to like just it it not be a problem Mm-hmm. I do have all boys again, though, so I do think right. that it is more of a struggle with girls in general.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, except
0: for the games. The, the games, yes, but the social media. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: You know, I, I you, you get you guys your age struggle with things with your kids technologically that we never had to. The only, you know, we didn't have; they didn't even have phones initially when our kids were little. And then when they got into high school, kids started showing up with phones so that's the only thing we really had to deal with but i'm a firm believer that we're all overexposed to technology and therefore information Mm -hmm. i think there are times you have to say no to technology oh yeah and and it's just figuring out when and, and where and and what you cut off but um so as parents you guys have it a lot harder than we do than we did
0: Yeah, because it just wasn't an option. I know this morning, um, because my oldest son gets up before everybody else, usually by like an hour. And he usually gets up and plays a video game or watches TV while the house is still quiet. And um, my husband made him a bagel for breakfast. And I was like, you know what? Just put your video game down while you eat your bagel. Like, you don't need to move from the couch with your video game and sit on the steps because they can't eat on the couch with your video game while you eat, just put your, put it down for now and take a break for 10 minutes and like, just be, just literally be there. Right. Yeah. And we struggle with that. I mean, and that's one of the things I really try with my kids. It's like we have to let our kids be bored (laughs) and we have to let ourselves be bored. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have to model that, you know? And so, um, I do like what you said, though, that you always saw your mom reading because in times that I am bored or in a position like that, I always read. Mm-hmm. And I guess that can just be our answer to the kids. Like, well, if you're bored and, and you want you don't want to just sit there or whatever or run around, pick up a book. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: There's one one other restriction we had on our kids is that we struggled with. You probably won't or maybe in a different way. But we were very um tried to be knowledgeable of the of the houses and the families that our kids were visiting oh yeah and especially with r-rated movies we found out early on that there there are r-rated movies for that you know seven and eight year old kids were watching that we didn't think were appropriate for our kids and we really had had some strong pushback from our kids when we injected ourselves uh you know in another uh, in a situation where they were going to go over, trying to go over to some one of their friend's houses. But we were trying to tried to stay on top of that.
0: I mean, well, I think now it's, it's pornography. Yeah. Because we, when we were kids and your kids, the access just wasn't there. You had Playboy magazines that a dad might have or something like that. But mm-hmm. now, it, even if you have restrictions on all of your devices... Things can just slip through. And I think I read somewhere that the average age a kid sees pornography for the first time is like nine or 10 years old.
2: Oh wow.
0: Yeah. And so I was actually just talking to my, my best friend. I was telling you that I met in the park uh, or at, at the school. Um, we have only let our oldest two spend the night other than grandparents and cousins um, at this one family's house, and vice versa, our house is the only house their kid has spent the night at, and that's really like one of a few reasons because it's just like, well, what if they grab one of the adults' iPads? Or I mean, because once you see, you can't unsee. It's right. it's a, right. a sticky image.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, that's real- what terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is
2: scary. Much worse than R-rated movies, even.
0: You're right. But it's so hard because when you send your kids to someone else's house, you have to trust the parents, too. And you want to trust your kids, but sometimes they're not old enough to, you know, fully trust. So you have to default to, are these parents parents that I know I can feel safe with?
2: Yeah, I agree. And we struggled with that also um, because you're putting a lot of responsibility on your kids to be mature enough and strong enough to withstand peer pressure. And sometimes that's not fair to your kids that maybe you have to, as a parent, make some decisions for them. Um, but that's something we always struggled with is is how to find the right balance between being too strict and too lenient and make making something work that was, was good for all of us.
0: Yeah, I know I always want to default. Like I trust you, but I, I you have to keep showing up and showing me that I should trust you. I'm always gonna, my default is going to be to believe you and you will always be ahead if you tell me the truth, even if it was the wrong decision, but you always tell me the truth, right? Right. Uh, um, Okay. Before we wrap up with into podcast, let's transition real quick into um, making each kid feel individually special and unique. I, I feel like I've struggled with this with my number two, especially he was three and a half when our fourth was born. So he aged up to big brother times two at a pretty young age. And I kind of, kind of just, you're one of the big brothers now, you know, and, and oftentimes when I've seen discipline, um, when I've seen behavior issues, I can tell it's an attention thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm lost in the middle here. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm curious what you guys did with four so close together to make each kid feel unique and individually special.
2: We recognize that as an issue pretty early on with our kids being so close in age, um, that, you know, when the, the. Younger two came along, Matt and Rachel were just a year, a year and a half, 20 months old. Um, so pretty early on, we started a tradition called special days with the kids. And that meant on different days, and it, this might occur every few months, you know, we would take one child, one of us would take one child, not both of us. The other one was home with the other yeah, right. Um, and do something special with them. And it might be as simple as going to a park or to a movie or out to eat or something that they wanted to do occasionally it would be really special and we'd go to a hotel in the, just an area hotel for the night, a hotel that maybe had a pool. The other kids might come and swim in the pool for a little bit just to, you know, to get the advantage because we didn't own a pool. Right. Um, and, and do that and then go home and we'd have, you know, we'd watch a movie or, you know, get dinner or whatever and just have a night, um, with that one child or a day or a part of the day. And that, you know, we, found that it was it was good for the kids they needed some time alone with mom and dad and and you know we we loved it too because it gave all of us a little breathing room
0: 100 percent. yeah you're getting a break when you have just the one kid we fought over who got to go on the special day right
1: (laughs) we would oftentimes go biking there's a lake white rock lake here it's a it's about nine miles around and that, that was a good bike ride we would Oftentimes, I worked at that time in a skyscraper downtown and, you know, I'd take them to work with me and they'd, uh, you know, they'd have popcorn and grape juice in the kitchen and look out the window at the little bitty people down there. And there were just special things. There were also on weekends, these were not special days, but on weekends, I'd try to give Suzanne a break. So I would take all four kids early, and we found three or four different places they loved to go. One was the Anatole Hotel, which on early in the morning had, uh, you know, their big uh, conference rooms, and there would be no furniture in there, just heavy carpet, and they could just run and run and run and play. And uh, there were peacocks outside, um, and there were a few places like that where I would take all four of them. Try to give Suzanne a little break. So it's kind of like a special day for Suzanne.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I know. What did you do, Suzanne?
2: Well, probably slept. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or maybe read a book. Yep. Try
2: not to do too much housework, at the, but I'm sure I did some of that too.
0: I know. I always struggle when I do have those moments to be like, how do I best utilize this time? Should I get stuff done? Should I just lay in bed and watch the bachelor? Like, what do I do? You know, like, cause I want it to be relaxing, but I also struggle when I'm not productive. So, um, yeah, it's always like, what do you do at that time? <laughs> I, yeah. I love that idea. We do, we break our kids up two and two a lot and it's making me think I really should do that one-on-one more, but sometimes it's the simplest thing. Like I'm just going, because with both of us working from home now, it's just this whole weird situation, right? Right. Um, so sometimes, and especially this summer, we're just a hot mess over here, but um, sometimes I'm just going to get myself some coffee. Like I will literally just leave to go to Starbucks just to like get out of the house for the day. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll just say one person can come with me and i get them a special drink or something like that. And it, that's a very small special day, but I definitely can tell like they feel that. I think that's great. I think that's a
2: wonderful thing to do for your kids.
0: And the hotel thing is so fun. They loved it. Or
2: they'd go to North Park Wall in Dallas and they'd run around the mall before it opened. Yeah. And they have a fish pond there. And, you know, that was just, you know, they had free reign and it was a lot of fun for the kids and for me.
0: <laughs> I've always said I want to do, um, like, when they turn 10, a special trip. Mm-hmm. And now that my oldest is like almost 10, I'm like, oh, because I was like, oh, they could go anywhere, pick any trip, any place. And I'm like, do I want to really want to say anywhere? And I'm thinking they'll do that with my husband, like a boy thing, like dad thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it's such a milestone year coming up 10. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah. it is. It sure
0: is. I know. Um, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate this. Let's let's do some end of the podcast questions. Do sure. we? Is there anything we didn't cover that you want to cover?
2: Well, the only thing, Lindsay, that I had written down some notes was if I had, you know, to give words and advice about raising kids, I think one of them would be showing up, Mm. whether it's showing up, even if your kids on the C team Mm -hmm. or the basketball team. Or it's parent-teacher conferences, and your kids are doing fine, and you think, oh, I don't need to go to that. You can always learn something about your child. How are they socially? How are they interacting? How are they treating other children? You know, those kinds of things. But I think the important thing is you just show up. You make the recital. You You don't necessarily have to go to practices. And the second part of that is so much of the showing up is sports, of course. But it's it's showing up and being a parent, not a coach. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of tendency in parents, especially if they see their kid is good at something, is to want to make the coach realize they're good or want to push them to be on the, the court more or whatever it is. And I think, you know, just watching over the years and still seeing this some is that I think for the kids' sake, it's better just to be their parent. Yes. I mean, if you coach the team, that's a different issue. Um, but I'm talking about you're the spectator, is to be the parent and not try to be the coach or to be telling the coaches what to do. Um, because I think in the long run, it really hurts your kid, and they probably don't really like it very much when you do that. Um, so I think you know my biggest thing is just show up for your kids. Whatever they're doing, whatever they have a passion for, share that with them. Because I think that goes a long way.
0: And I love that you said it doesn't matter what they play, like what team they're on. doesn't matter exactly. if they're in varsity. Right, exactly, exactly. It, I mean, it does. It feels good to have your parents in the stands. And I, my mom came to way more of our stuff than my dad just because he traveled a lot for work when we were younger. And it was always so such a big deal when my dad could come to like an evening game or something, you know, Um, I did have cross country meets on Saturday mornings and he was always usually home for those, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, it, it means so much. And it honestly, frankly, is probably embarrassing if you have a parent that's like screaming at the game. (laughs) Exactly. We just had a great episode. Actually, if anybody's new here listening with Kevin Wolma, he is an athletic director and he talked on that exact topic it's like a piece of the conversation just like because he's a he's a dad too so like he's like I've been the dad I've been the coach I've been the athletic director and his advice to parents that feel like they want to get in and yell and be up close is to just stand back (laughs) if you can't control yourself remove yourself from like the group and like the the floor and just stand back and get calm (laughs) yeah um Okay. Do you have, uh, we have a couple last questions here. Do you have a favorite trip that you took with your family that you would recommend for people to take like young kids, youngish kids?
1: We, um, had several fun family trips, but we, we liked road trips and we went from Dallas to West Texas to the Davis mountains stayed at the Indian Lodge, which was built during the Depression, 1930, and beautiful setting hills and deer and turkey and uh, out in the wild. Uh, There were several things that we saw on that trip, but it was a really, really fun trip. Everybody, all the kids uh, had a great time. We did.
2: Lots of hiking and there's an observatory there that to, you know, look at the stars and, then we—it was within a couple of hours of a national, Big Bend National Park. So I think taking advantage of our state and national mm-hmm. parks, and it doesn't cost anything generally. It may there may be an admission fee for some of them, um, but it's not a big cost. You can camp it there if you wish, um, and I think it was great because one thing um, I, I noticed looking looking this up recently, Indian Lodge, for instance, doesn't have Wi-Fi. So it's like you solve one problem right there, you know. Yeah. Your kids can't use their devices 100%. When you're there. Yeah. So and in those parks, a lot of times devices don't work anyways because there's not great cell service. So it's a great way to get away with your kids.
0: And honestly, as an adult, it's a relief. You yeah, can't exactly. check your work email. You can't do any of it. You gotta you it's gotta wonderful. check out. <laughs> um, what's the best most recent book you've read?
1: I read a book called American Wolf. Which is about the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone National Park. Oh wow! History of wolves and their and the striking similarities between wolf families and human families. And one uh, in, one wolf in particular was a female. She was an alpha female who ran her pack, and she was at one. Uh, time, the most famous wolf in the world. They were writing about her all over the world. Anyway, it's a wonderful book about nature and how we all kind of need to exist together. They just introduced or just passed a bill where they're introducing wolves into Colorado now, which is, it's very controversial because there's, you know, there's some downside to it. But anyway, it's called American Wolf written by Nate Blakesley, B L A. K E S L E E. It's published three or four years ago.
0: Wow, very interesting. In my book, I
2: the one that I just finished found very interesting. I heard about on NPR. I heard the author interviewed on NPR recently, and I thought it was very intriguing. And it's called A Quantum Life. Okay. By Hakim. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. O L U Y S E I. And it's about a a, a black man who grew up in a very chaotic childhood in poverty in rural Mississippi. And he ends up achieving a PhD at Stanford. And it was about his life and how he managed to overcome so, so many obstacles. And I found it fascinating to see the things that we talk about that parents, you know, hope to do or he didn't have that. Mm -hmm. He didn't have those advantages. And he didn't you know he had a there was a lot of poverty there was a lot of drug use and alcoholism in his family and you know the fact that he was able to rise above those things and achieve what he has achieved and continues to achieve i found very fascinating and and very commendatory so i would recommend that one
0: love it okay what was the kids book you recommended that you did books on tape
1: that was Hank the cow dog okay it's a
0: series it's a whole series of lots
2: of books okay it's one,
1: yeah. It's one guy who uh, does all the talking parts of all the characters, and the characters are generally animals.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's, it's great. The cow dog. Okay, I'm. Well, you know, we're driving out to Raleigh next Friday. We're gonna do. We're gonna split it up just just because. And so, I'm gonna look that up to have play in the car for sure. Right. Do you right. have any other kids' books to recommend, or was that the one you were gonna recommend? No, nope, we have a couple of others. Can we do we have.
1: have... If, if you have time, one. Yeah. It's out ramp print. It's called Sunny Elephant. Okay. Written in 1930. Love it. About a little baby elephant named Sunny Elephant. Uh, written by Madge Bingham, B-I-G-H-A-M. It's a book that I was read to me by my an aunt who was a school teacher, a fifth grade school teacher, when I was a kid, and I still remember sitting and being entranced, sitting around with all my first cousins, listening to Sunny Elephant. It's a good book.
2: Oh, I love that. And I have two quick ones. They're both board books for younger kids. Well, one of them comes in not board book edition, but The Little Mouse, The Red Ripe Strawberry, and The Big Hungry Bear. That was actually written in 1984 by Wood. And, you know, I read this to my kids many times. They were born in 87 and 89. So this is an older book that's still in print, still popular. My little grandchildren have this book. It's about a little mouse that tries to stop a bear from eating his freshly picked strawberries. And I love that book. And the other one that I've only come across recently through one of my grandchildren is Giraffes Can't Dance. And it's about a giraffe who gets mocked for his dancing skills or lack thereof and and learns to, you know, to dance to his own music and to love himself. And I love the message of that little book. So
0: good. I love that too. I haven't heard of that one. I'm surprised. Sounds so good. Um, what's your last message that you want to leave with our audience today? I, I imagine much of our listeners are about 20 years behind you in the in the parenting game.
2: And you know, I thought about that, Lindsay, since you had told us you were gonna ask that question. And I think my message is it doesn't matter if you have one child, two sets of twins four children spaced apart or seven kids that your kids are going to take up most of your time, you know, and if you're a working mom, you know, they're going to take up all of your time because, you know, there's so many demands placed on you. And my, my thought is to embrace it, enjoy the ride as much as you can. And hopefully you'll get to the other end and get to be grandparents one day and have, you know, all of the joys of, of, of children without the angst of being the parent. And so I, I just say, enjoy it. Enjoy the ride.
1: And I would actually just say to dads, this is just a quick thought that spend as much time as you can with your kids because the, it's oftentimes the father that's out of the house more, not always, but I know from my standpoint, I'll continue to work and that that's, uh, you know, you continue to bond with your children till they leave the house. And every minute you have to be with your children or a child that you don't take advantage of is a wasted minute in mm-hmm. my opinion. So just be with be with your children as much as you can.
2: You know, who knew that those that Kim would take the kids and the baby jogger, uh, around White Rock Lake, and he'd put two in and then two holding the other two sometimes, which probably was <laughs> the safest idea. I love it. But who would, have, and then he would take them on, you know, little 5K and run, fun runs and things, and, and, you know, the the Thanksgiving turkey trots and things. And who would know that, you know, starting that when the kids were little as just a fun activity to do with the family, I'd be the spectator most of the time would lead to, you know, a daughter becoming a professional runner and, and, and develop that love that still to this day at 32, she has such a passion for running. And, and, you know, this all started with Kim, you know, just taking them little jogs in the baby jogger.
0: I love that. It's so important. Thank you guys so much for doing this. I feel I feel encouraged and um, it's been really fun. It's great to talk to you, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank Thank you for spending time with us. Yes.
1: Good luck on your move.
0: Yes. Good luck in North Carolina. I'm going to go see if the rest of my house is destroyed. Wish me luck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you.
0: Have a great day. All right, everybody, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Kim and Suzanne. That was so wonderful you all make sure, well, first of all, go buy Becky's book. Okay. If you're into that kind of thing, go buy Becky's book. And thank you, Becky, for suggesting your parents to come on the podcast. Um, you can find us this podcast on Instagram. We are, why is everyone yelling over there? Uh, we also have a Facebook page and group. Why is everyone yelling? You can find me personally. I would love to connect with you. I'm Lindsay Hine, 626 on Instagram at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. And don't forget, check out Beam if you're looking for a little sleep supplement or some hydration products. Go to beamtlc.com. Use the code LINDSAY15 and that'll get you 15% off. All right, friends. Have a really great rest of your day and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?